sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. It is another beautiful day in the neighborhood. Monday, November 2nd. Let's cock-a-doodle do it. This is the early line right here, giving you the edge on SportsGrid. I'm Dane Martinez, and as always, I got my main man, Kevin Walsh, burning the candle at both ends, trying to give you the information you need to make it a profitable day, and we'll try to put the fun and functional sports content at the same time. And Kev, as I look back on what we saw on Sunday, I thought it was interesting. Some division leaders took an opportunity to separate, and some, to be quite honest, pissed away their chance to get some a working margin in their division. There are a lot of division leaders that I think got that working margin and some like the Tennessee Titans that pissed away their opportunity and now images in their rearview mirror are certainly closer than they appear. However, in a game that I know the good old early line production crew was all about, we have an example of one of those teams that did in fact separate a little bit in this division, although in this division, who knows if separation really matters because maybe everyone will be below 500. The Philadelphia Eagles get a win, 23-9. to And I got to tell you guys, the real winner of this game is anybody who went to bed early because, you know, Lexington, at halftime, what do we have? 9-7 Dallas. And then, you know, we get a defensive touchdown. The Philly defense kind of took over at the end, right? A defensive touchdown, the safety at the very end. To get that working margin, the Philadelphia Eagles go 23-9. to And they are now 3-4-1 and and in first place in the NFC East. Eagles are hot. Continue to roll in prime time. I got to say, people are like, oh, it's the worst worst game I've ever seen. You guys are crazy, man. This game was electric. Wentz was playing like he had no idea this game counted for real. Ben DiNucci, (laughs) horrible. So, so bad. And, look, there's going to be a lot made about Philly. I get it. I will say, though, to me, the story is more on the Dallas side. The Eagles played one of the worst games I've seen the team play all year. And won by 14 points. I mean, they covered the number. It was not good. Like, it was not good. Dallas has scored one offensive touchdown since Dak got injured. One offensive touchdown since Dak got injured. It was with less than three minutes remaining in garbage time against Arizona. Two straight weeks now, they've not scored an offensive touchdown against the Eagles and the Washington football team. Dallas next week, like... I don't know if people are thinking about this, and I don't mean to take us ahead, but like we just saw the Chiefs light a number to the Jets, and we're like, oh, we won't say anything near that all year long. Dallas goes to pit. Like, okay, Dalton's probably back, but you might be looking at another 17.5-ish point spread. 17.5, 19.5, there's not too much of a difference here. Again, the Eagles are a team that they're hitting the bye. Can they get healthier? How do things look? That's the reality of it. At this point, they're just trying to churn out results. But I think as this is continued to snowball, the Cowboys are transitioning from win a division by default to I think they might be the worst team in football right now, and I think that might include the Jets. 
Fair enough. I will say this, similar to last year uh, or earlier this year when your your third-string quarterback is there. I don't know because we haven't seen it much, but I would be willing to bet that when Andy Dalton comes back for the Dallas Cowboys that they may look a little bit better. The same way I've said the Jets will look better under Sam Darnold than Joe Flacco. The same way when we actually see third-string quarterbacks, sometimes it does make a difference as we welcome in our radio audience from around the country, from around the globe thanks for getting on the grid and waking up early with us here on the early line i think the biggest thing here though honestly if we look forward uh, you're right it's not about the cowboys we'll see how big of a dog they are we'll see how the dumpster fire ultimately comes to an end we'll see how many wildcat snaps zeke elliott gets moving forward but with the philadelphia eagles kev i think you mentioned it and although it wasn't huge yesterday dallas goddard gets a catch. Jalen Rager gets into the end zone. Three catches for 16 yards. Now listen, it wasn't pretty, right? Because Carson Wentz only completes 15 passes in total. But the fact that Goddard's there, the fact that Rager's there, the fact that we may start to get people coming back for the Philadelphia Eagles, in my opinion, continues to mean that we can make as many jokes as we want about this division, and they will come. But still, the Philadelphia Eagles should be the class of this division. They still will get healthy, have the only veteran coach in this division with their team. And I still believe, even though the man has something like 12 interceptions to lead the NFL, he's still the best quarterback in the division. Yeah, and look, I got to tell you, though, I I feel like like people were so invested in this all being terrible that, like, logic was escaping people. The first uh, pick that he throws to start the second half, everybody is talking about Jalen Hurts. And then it's not until – I mean, I tweeted it out because, again, I'm paying attention – Chris Collins is worth, yeah, I think the wind took the football. Notice how the right. ball placement makes no sense for the route right. Hightower's running. Like, again, right. I, guys, I get it. But at the end of the day, you're going to have to accept this. This team's going to play a playoff game. You're going to have to cap this group when we get to the postseason. And you're going to have to pay attention to what's real and what's not. All right? Stop crying about, oh, I can't. Like, listen, at the end of the day, if you bet Ben DiNucci, tough scene. You bet an over in a game with Ben DiNucci, tough scene. The Eagles played a D-minus game and won by 14. Like, yeah, Wentz was was terrible. There's no two ways about it. What does this team look like coming off of the bye? They play the New York Giants. Mm -hmm. They will be favored to win that game. Three wins in a row. Okay, then they followed up with a game against the Browns. I'll be interested to talk about them. Then a primetime spot against the Seattle Seahawks. That's a really fun three-game stretch for Philly to try and figure out what's the deal with this football team. No, I agree with you. And listen, I think Philly will win the division. So even if it's at 7-8-1, it matters about what they look like on the first week of January. And that's about it. We'll talk about more teams that separated themselves when we come back here on the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here to the early line. Dane and Kev. And, you know, Kevin, I talked about how some teams 
took the opportunity to separate right in their division the philadelphia eagles are one of those teams that did another team in this great state of pennsylvania also did that the pittsburgh steelers beat the baltimore ravens in baltimore 28 24 in a game that was physical in a game that was back and forth in a game that i believe demonstrated what football looks like when two teams who do not like each other get after it and here's the thing honestly I would love to hear what you think about the statement made by the Steelers. We check in on this every week, right, Kev? I mean, the Steelers are still undefeated, and now in the last two, two road wars against other AFC contenders back-to-back in Tennessee and, of course, now in Baltimore. I was on air yesterday morning saying that I think Pittsburgh was the better team, but I thought because they were in a bad spot on the road at Baltimore with the Ravens yeah. coming off their bye and the rest disparity, I thought Baltimore was going to get the job done, but it did not happen, Kev. And as you know, I've been talking about Lamar Jackson, like what happens when it is on the arm of Lamar Jackson, right? And uh, I don't think Lamar performed that well yesterday, Kev. Two interceptions and a sub 50% completion percentage. This is what I'm talking about. This is what will need to improve if in these kinds of games the Ravens are going to get through, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot here, and there, there might be a lot we disagree on. Um, okay. Ultimately, though, the narrative around Lamar is, oh, what does he do if they're behind? They should have never been behind in this football game. This okay. game should have been over at half, period. The Steelers managed 79 yards of offense. Crossed into Baltimore territory once. The Ravens had two 75-yard touchdown drives. 75-yard plus. The score should have been 20 nothing at half, if not more. But how does he start the game? He throws a pick six. Then sure he does. fumbles in the goal line. No awareness. That takes points off the board. It's 17-7 at half. They force a very brief, quick three and out. And all Lamar has to do is just take care of the ball. And he throws a pick. It gets this Steelers game, Steelers team right back in the mix. Now, at the end of the day, the Steelers then started to piece together a couple of solid drives after the fact. A 10-play, 77-yard touchdown drive and an 8-play, 80-yard touchdown drive. No doubt about it, that team in the back end of this football game found a bit of a rhythm. But I do not leave this game thinking that I was wrong to think the Ravens were the better team. I don't leave this game going, oh, wow, the Steelers are on the Chiefs' class. I don't. They should have been slaughtered in this football game. But there is a new problem here, and it's Lamar. Forget, again, the narrative of, oh, Lamar can't play from behind. Lamar is not even sniffing what he was last year. Not even close. They can't trust him to not turn the football over. This entire loss, I, I don't mean to be brutal, but it is entirely on him. His mistakes, the game should have been over at half. At half, should have been 20-0. Game. But he threw a pick six to start the game. And they were still up 10. They were still up 10 at half. With the ball in the second half. And he just kept making mistakes. So, you know, I hear you. And you're saying, like, what should have happened, you know, but... It didn't, right? And because Lamar yeah. did turn the ball over, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's almost like for uh, on some level, and we'll talk about this team later on, like the way I've been talking about Josh Allen and the Bills, 
uh, for a lot of the season, right? It's been like, they're a good team, but, you know, Allen will make that mistake. Now, you know, and I'm looking for being able to have the answers to all the questions. You know, that's how I keep on framing it, right? How these teams that I think are true elite, are true contenders, can answer all the questions. Lamar is not answering the questions that he came into this season with, Kev. He was supposed to be a better passer. He was supposed to be able to throw yeah. outside the numbers, and that is not happening i'm sorry remember how going into this season at first the first time i said it you were a little bit surprised that i said baltimore was not in tier one this is part of what is holding them back i've been saying all season i have to see these things from lamar and not only are we not seeing it but you are now raising the level of concern around last year's mvp because this is again and and this is why it's a it's a weird game to break down I genuinely, like Baltimore to me, has the better defense. The Steelers have a very explosive defense, a very splashy defense. The plays sure. they make, they matter. It's like ton. Watt, Dupree, Minka, yes, they can make but, plays. But Baltimore had this Steelers team in absolute clamps. They could do nothing. And then eventually, they were able to stay around for two. Lamar's thrown four picks in the last four weeks. He threw six picks all of last season. And this is what I'm talking about. They didn't even much. need him. They didn't need him to take a leap. They didn't need that. They just needed him to be, honestly, they didn't even need him to be as good as he was last year. All he had to do was protect the ball. All he had to do was protect the ball. It's 20 nothing at half. They pin their ears back. You know Big Ben. He's going to tap out on the road. It's a, it's a bad schedule spot, and the game's over. And they win this game going away. And we're here, and we're talking about how the Baltimore Ravens are back on the good foot. Who's going to win the North? Are they actually closer to the Chiefs? Lamar is the issue right now. And, again, I think it's important, though, for people. This is not about, oh, he can't play from behind. They played from ahead the whole game. They were fine. He messed everything up. Like, they have a quarterback problem right now in Baltimore. And I don't know what the fix is. They're going to continue to pummel bad teams. But next week, they travel to Indy. That's not a that's a that's a tough defense to play. It's a good defense. And right. it's another somewhat proven spot. Ultimately, Baltimore now is on it. It's gonna this might sound crazy. They're almost the same thing as Philly. I really don't care about when you blow out the Bengals. Like, this is going to be about what I see of you when we get to December. Has Lamar started to figure it out? There's another Steeler game on the schedule. This Colts game, a Titans game. There's other big games here for this kid to play in. Okay? And if we see good yeah. stuff, then I'll trust it. But he right now is the tilting factor in a way that I don't even think the biggest Lamar critic could have truthfully envisioned. So here's the thing, like when we talk about, when I've been talking about, say, a Buffalo, right? You're talking about what is one of the things just you just said about the Ravens, right? Like they will slaughter bad teams, but yeah. that, that doesn't give us any more information, right? It's about when they step up and play another contender, are they equipped to answer the questions that a contender may pose? And you can come away with this less impressed about Pittsburgh than maybe others, but still on the road at Baltimore in what you acknowledge as a bad 
bad spot for the schedule. Sure. They do what ultimately you need to do. They survive, they advance, they get a W, and they're still the only undefeated team in the NFL, right? And if they get a bye, and if it goes through Heinz Field, then they avoid some of those bad spots to make it a little bit easier for them. And I thought it was very interesting. Yes, Lamar is not necessarily taking that step. One thing I have been saying a lot in fantasy, he was a waiver wire diamond this week, is J.K. Dobbins. We have to talk about Dobbins, who goes 15 yeah. carries, 113 yeah. yards. Remember, Mark Ingram isn't there. They may they were saying Mark Ingram may not even be back next week against the Colts. I don't know if you're a Harry Potter fan, but J.K. Rawlings, who wrote them all, J.K. Dobbins is like Dobby the house elf, and my man has been freed in this Baltimore offense. Yeah. Another team. They, oh, go ahead. I'm just going to say, though, like, they gashed them. Like, yeah. like, like, if you look through this box, all he had to do was not be horrible. Like, J.K. Dobbins ran for more yards than Derrick Henry on half the carries. Yeah. Like, that's, and that's why, to me, like, these teams play again on Thanksgiving night. It's going to be a really, really fun football game. And it's going to be another spot where we just have to ask, what is Lamar? Realistically, no, I right? Think that's fair. I mean, like, they and I want to see them. it, though. It's not even only Pittsburgh. You make a great point about Indy coming up on the horizon. Yeah, this is what he does against teams that are quality. He needs to demonstrate that he can do this consistently against good teams. And that's been the open question. For a while, and he has not done much to answer that question. Going under 50% completion percentage, like you said, turning the ball over, giving Pittsburgh the early 7-0 lead right out the gate. That's not what an MVP does for his team. All right, when we come back, we'll talk about some other division leaders that stretched out and some that allowed the pack to come back to them. When we come back right here on the early line, that's what we're going to do. We can make sense of everything we've seen so far this week and then there's monday night football to still talk about so come on back we got a lot to come sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com Welcome back in, everybody, right here to the early line. Thanks, of course, for all of our radio affiliates around the country and around the globe. Uh, waking up early with us getting the edge here on the grid. Dane Martinez and, of course, Kevin Walsh giving you what you need to put the fun and functional sports content. You know, I'm talking about these division leaders that maybe got some separation. And yesterday morning, at least, in Pro Football Today, Blewett and I were talking, Kev, about those uh, the division odds in the NFC West. You know, yeah. we were talking about how they could, you know, get a little tighter if some of these teams took care of business. And we saw teams like the 49ers at like 6-1 to one in the division. And mm -hmm. in true fashion, I know you talk about this all the time, right? If they got that win, what would that number have looked like? But unfortunately, they did not get that win. They went to Seattle and lost 37-27. Russ keeps cooking, as it says on the bottom. Another four touchdowns, two of them to DK Metcalf, who, by the way, may be the best wide receiver in all of football at this point. 12 hmm. catches, 161 yards, and two touchdowns. Or maybe the most unstoppable wide receiver in football. This 
looks like Megatron to me. That's what it looks like to me. This looks like Calvin Johnson with the size, speed, power combo. I mean, he takes a crossing route on one point and, you know, avoids all the tackles, bubbles out to the end, and then goes down the sideline for one touchdown. And then another touchdown, the man just boxes out, you know, at the end zone, and you cannot stop him. It's going to be very interesting. I believe he's a top five wideout for next year's fantasy football drafts, but we'll discuss that another time. Right now, this is about Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks getting that working margin with a tough Mm -hmm. division victory. I mean, we'll talk about the Niners continuing to uh, have injury woes, but this is Russ, another four touchdowns. They keep scoring. Yeah, I mean, this game was very, very kind to me. Great day for NWO, of course. Metcalf with two scores. AJ Brown got in the end zone as well. Uh, I went uh, and played Russ over two and a half touchdown passes at a pretty uh, decent plus number. I thought it should have been minus money, considering they didn't have really any real running backs, although DJ Dallas uh, did find himself uh, in the end zone zone. through the air and through the ground, uh, ironically enough. I'll tell you what, Dane, sometimes... You know, it's nice to watch. This is what I talk about. This is why I like to bet at noon. I miss a lot of numbers. Ultimately, I wasn't able to say bet on the team like the Colts. Because when I woke up, two and a half became three and a half. And I don't want to bet a bad number. But also, I watched Seattle, by the time I bet that game, be a pick em. I thought that that was right. far too much. of. That means that the Niners are the better football team. The Niners are not the better football team, certainly not in Seattle, not with Russell Wilson coming off of a loss. You never want to say something was easy, but the decision for me at least was easy. I got to the window on both the Seahawks and the Russ passing prop, uh, touchdown prop. Both of those hit, uh, and Seattle gets back on the good foot, 6-1 and one now. Yeah, they absolutely do. And then on this other side, remember, if this went the other way, we would have been talking about how close the NFC West is. But now, Mm -hmm. just like, you know, after, say, week two or three, we're looking at the Niners and saying, where do they go from here in this game? Tevin Coleman, who was activated off of IR, and we thought they may need him in that running back room. He leaves again with a knee injury. George Kittle left limping. Jimmy Garoppolo left limping so these Niners continue to be compromised and we know about their injuries on the defensive side of the ball what looks ahead here for San Francisco well this is the thing this team's playing on Thursday at home Mm. against the Packers Garoppolo now twice this year has been taken out of a game because of injury slash play and Mm -hmm. I made sure I I tried to look it up through some Niners beat reporters a lot of them believe that the Mullins production did come in you know kind of garbage time very soft they took the blitzes off but it is still hard to ignore three drives three touchdowns for Nick Mullins 18 of 25 238 yards and two touchdown passes no interceptions at the minimum, I'm not sure they're going to rush, Garopp- rush Garoppolo back. But right, also, right. Mullins has already had a shot to start, right? Remember against Philly and how miserable mm-hmm. he was? And then he got pulled for Beathard. The reality yeah. for the Niners is this team has a quarterback problem, right? Like, And this is a team that is going to have an offseason to make some moves. It's not like the Ravens are going to move on from Lamar Jackson, right? Like right, the right, Niners right. – are going to have some big decisions to make here. They're going to be dogs this Thursday. This team might dip below 500 if they can't figure out a way to win at home there. And obviously, the more bodies that drop, the less likely it is they'll be able to find those results. 
Yeah, absolutely. The Niners, though, it's very hard for them to make any moves at quarterback. Remember, they've got about 130 million reasons why they are kind of handcuffed in that vein. I will say this, Kev, boy, you should have been tailing me on the props in this game. I was all over Brandon Ayuk. Remember, he was a waiver wire diamond going into this week. And then on Sunday, I gave out the over for Ayuk on 56 and a half receiving yards and to score the touchdown at plus 140. And in garbage time, he got me home on that one as well. You know, another team in the NFC West that we thought was going to make this division look very compressed when we woke Mm -hmm. up on Monday morning was the Los Angeles Rams. But no, that did not happen. Why? Because it was Tua time. Well, actually, no. That's not why it happened. Yes, Tua got his first victory. And all the praise, big shout out to Tua Tagovailoa, because he does get his NFL first victory in his first start. But, Kevin, that was not the story of this game, in my opinion. Ironically, the Miami Dolphins' defense and special teams were the story of this game to me. The Rams get a defensive touchdown. I mean, excuse me, the Dolphins get a defensive touchdown. The Dolphins also set up some short fields for Tua with actually being all over Jared Goff all day long. And then the Dolphins also deliver, if you watch NFL Red Zone and my boy Scotty Hansen, you know that the Dolphins also came through with the first punt return for a touchdown this year in the NFL. You put all that together and the Dolphins, even though they had less than 100 yards of offense in the third quarter, still get the job done by double digits, beating the Rams 28 to 17. Yeah, this game was nuts. This game was nuts. And I'll tell you, this is a game I was glad I ultimately didn't get to the window on. I would have backed the Rams, but Miami at home off the bye. And I actually tweeted it out when Tua threw that first touchdown. I'm like, oh, this team loves them. This team loves them. You could just yeah. tell there was it See, was every joy, single yeah. guy was like, let's do this. Let's do this type of yeah. thing. And that move to start him over Fitz could have gone the other way. And it, I feel like, could've. you know what? Credit to Brian Flores, who I believe is a good coach. He knows his locker room. Knows his locker room better than me. I should have never doubted him. On the Dolphins side of this, good luck figuring out who you want to back mm. in the props market, fantasy. I mean, oh, yeah. there were, what, seven yeah. guys that caught between 16 and 10 yards with the leading receiver having 16 yards. They didn't throw the ball. They the were playing 16 fo- yards. Yeah, I mean, they just but they didn't have to do anything. So that's the problem. I, I don't know if right. this was them being poor. I mean, this went, right? Scoop and score, punt return, touchdown, yeah. pick, one play, touchdown, drive for my... I mean, there was nothing to do here. And ultimately, you know, right. they seemingly took their foot off the gas. On the Rams side of it, it was a bad schedule spot, okay? Monday night football, west to yeah. east travel, home team yeah. off of their bye week. I, I, I concede that. It was a bad schedule spot. They hit the bye out of the bye week, okay? Home versus the Seahawks, at the Bucks, home versus the Niners, at the Cardinals. Three very, very important division games with a trip to Tampa Bay in there. A, a huge stretch coming up for the Rams that... I'm not gonna say make or break. Listen, you get two and two out of that out of that schedule run, you'd be pretty happy. But a one and three run, all of a sudden you're a five hundred team through twelve weeks or thirteen weeks having played twelve games. That is not what this Rams team is looking for in a very jumbled up NFC picture.
No, I agree. And listen, remember, I have been talking about the Rams. You know, one of the things I've been saying a lot about the Rams is how I like their offensive line better, right? How they've been more mm-hmm. physical, right? They didn't have a chance to do that. Remember, I talk about teams that have that path to victory, you know, have to be able to establish. Yeah. They got from behind. Jared Goff putting it up 61 times and throwing for 355 yards is in no way, shape, or form what the Rams want to be. That's not what they want to do. It may look good for fantasy managers of Jared Goff, but Rams leadership is not happy about that kind of stat line for Jared Goff. They don't want him throwing it 61 times. They want him throwing it somewhere in the 30s and being efficient with the run game being efficient. And that wasn't the case. Daryl Henderson also left this game with a thigh injury after going eight for 47. I'm with you. The Dolphins didn't really perform, let's say, right? Their leading receiver had 16 yards. Miles Gaffney. Gaskin averaged like two and a half yards per carry, was not impressive, did get into the end zone. You're right about that locker room and that environment, the sideline. They were all about Tua, and it makes me wonder if in the next 36 hours, Ryan Fitzpatrick could be someone on the move. But I digress. And we got to get to another game. We'll probably talk about it more on the other side of the break also, but I want to do it in this context, okay? We're going to talk about the other big game in the AFC East. The Bills got it done against the Patriots. Right. Mm -hmm. And we could talk about that. We were on different sides of this game. Ultimately, Cam had a chance, but then fumbles. We'll break down that game a little bit later on, probably on the other side of the break. But here's what I want to say. As a Jets fan, I am always I'm trying to be cautious here. But as you know, Kev, I believe it's the fall of Rome. I believe the Patriots are done. The reason now that we need to not talk about the Patriots anymore. Is because of the last game we just recapped. Kev, the Dolphins are four and three. The Dolphins are in second place in this division, not the New England Patriots. I don't want to hear anything about the New England Patriots until they at least are ahead of the Dolphins for second place in the AFC East. Is that okay? I totally disagree. I've never really? felt more vindicated. The Dolphins are above 500. The so? Dolphins are a team that's actually good. The we, Pats are two games back of that. How can we re- talk about the Patriots yeah, very, when they're in third place? Because we had this team got ravaged by COVID. And that's what it is. We had three games before it happened. Beat that Dolphins team soundly. Lost tight in Seattle. Handled the Raiders, good football team, and then went to Buffalo and only lost by three with a chance to tie the game. I, I think, and they did it without Gilmore and Edelman. No doubt in my it mind that that team. They're two and no, five. That's, that's. We'll talk about it on the other side. I don't know how that's irrelevant. I, okay, because how do they get to nine and seven, which would mean them make them into the playoffs? I don't see it, but we'll talk about it when we come back after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in here on the early line right here on SportsGrid, giving you the edge. Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh. And Kevin is going to, you know, uh, maintain hope here for the New England Patriots. But they do lose this game to the Buffalo Bills, 24-21. You know, 
Cam Newton fumbles at the very end. Now, they are absolutely compromised, right? And neither one of these quarterbacks cracked 175 passing yards. And it was kind of a nip-and-tuck game, as it were. Zach Moss starting to emerge as another piece of that running game. He has been down for a little while on the Buffalo side. But, you know, when we started to talk about this uh, on the other side of the break, the, the Patriots are now 2-5. and five. Right. There will be three wild card teams in the AFC. Right. Seven mm-hmm. make it in this year. There's the four division winners. And at this point, uh, New England are a full, what, four games back or three and a half games back in the division. Right. So if we're looking at the wild card, what we have right now is you got Baltimore five and two, Indy five and two. Uh, the Browns five and three. The Raiders over five hundred with four wins. The Dolphins over five hundred with four wins in this division. The Denver Broncos at three and four, who hold a win over the New England Patriots. Um, those are all teams that would be above them. Even the Chargers and the Bengals with a tie are in that vein. So, so talk to me if we're gonna laugh about the Chargers or the Bengals. The Pats have the same record. Why do you believe that the path for the Patriots is still feasible? So I'm not actually laughing at the Chargers or the Bengals. Both those teams are sneaky better than their record says as well. Um, Ultimately, if we're going to talk about who has wins over them, again, they have wins over the Raiders and the Dolphins. They just hung around with the three seed in the AFC for the whole game. And again, we're a Cam Newton non-fumbled away from, at the minimum, being able to send it to overtime, if not winning the football game. And the number one seed in the NFC, they were a yard away from beating. Then they got ravaged by COVID. Cam didn't play against the Chiefs. Very obviously, they were compromised. And that's evident by how they performed in the four games that are further separated from that that incident that prevented this team from being able to practice. I mean, it, it's it's clear as day. That's how they lose at home to Denver. That's how they lose at home to the Niners. Like, ultimately here... They played a Buffalo team that's six and two. It was a field goal game. Like this is, you know, we're doing betting stuff here. They didn't cover the number. Like the Patriots are still going to be a relevant part of the discussion. At the end of the day, we're going to still bet on all of these games. And I'll just tell you this right now: they're only dogs in two of their remaining football games. One of them's going to be at home against Baltimore. The other one's going to be in LA at the Rams. Can nine and seven get into the AFC? It's possible. Are they going to go nine and seven? I'm not sure. But they play prime time against the New York Jets. That's going to help somebody probably get back on the good foot. I don't think that's time for the Jets to get their first victory. Maybe it is, and the whole thing blows up. But they showed up to Buffalo, no number one wide receiver, no number one quarter, fumble away from possibly winning the football game. I ref- like They're not what their record says they are. They're 2-2 two and two outside of that COVID outbreak. And I'm almost surprised that with how much you valued the way COVID was going to shake things up, you're choosing to ignore that. Kev, you think a two and five team is going to finish seven and two. Like if, if the Texans did it a year ago, Okay, if that's within the realm of possibility, then we should still talk about the Detroit Lions as contenders. You know, then we you have to believe in what the teams put forward. The Detroit Lions are terrible. This team is going to be better. You think New England is going to be dramatically like they're gonna flip a switch? It's not about flipping a switch. It's about being able to pra again, okay. So week one, they house the Dolphins, right? Week two, sure. we both sit here and say that team in a loss as impressive we have been, right? Week three, 
house the Raiders. The oh, by the way, like look at that Raiders resume at Kansas City, beat the Saints, competed with Buffalo, just went to Cleveland and got a win. House that Raiders team. And then COVID hit. And very obviously, weren't anywhere near the same football team. As clear as day. And then today, as far removed from that incident, they hang with Buffalo in Buffalo. No Gilmore, no Edelman. Like, we have to see this for what it is. It's an uphill battle. I'm not telling you they're going to make the postseason. Okay? So what but are you is this a, I'm telling what you that this you is a team us? I'm going to be willing to bet on, and I won't be writing off. Because unlike the char the Chargers are a disaster. The Chargers will be firing their head coach at season's end. Right? That's the reality of it. The Bengals are still doing this with a second-year head coach and a rookie quarterback. That is still going to be an uphill battle for them. Results are hard to come by. The Patriots but they need now to get all the results moving forward. And how is this sure. team positioned to be able to do that? Because in the four games that we have seen them separated from the COVID incident, they have obviously shown themselves to be one of the seven best teams in the AFC. Obviously. By going two and two? With the two losses being at Buffalo and at Seattle and housing Miami and, and Vegas? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. How many wins do you 100%. think this team going to get to, Kev? How many wins do you think this team will get? Not like if they do this and if they do that and if they keep it close. How many wins do you think the Patriots will actually get this season? I mean, taking a quick study of the schedule here. Yeah. Eight. Okay. You think this team that has two wins right now will win six more in their last nine games? We shall see. Um, I personally don't think they have shown that. And you think they're going to win two? I think that if they go 500 the rest of the year, right? That's eight games or like almost it's nine games really. But if they go 500, I think they could win maybe four more games, five more games maybe. That gets them so to we're six a game and ten off. or seven and nine. First yeah, of all, you're talking all, about we're them. a game off. Yeah, but no, but if you're a, if you think they go seven and nine, then when I say that they should not be considered in the playoff race, if you ultimately think they're going to go seven and nine, then you as well think they but should I, not but be I, factored but in I, the playoff race. Kev. But I don't think they're going to go seven and nine because I'm going to apply context to this off. team. So which one is it? Are we? You a game said off five. You not? said five. I said eight and eight. Right? What a chance to possibly do a little bit better than that. And I don't. By the way, this AFC is still a mess. Cleveland seven right now. Nobody. Oh, we trust Philip Rivers all of a sudden. Like, okay. uh, like we okay. just we just tore down horse, Lamar. Are you? I'm not. It's not about riding a horse, Dan. It's about applying context. That's what we do here. And ultimately, but you're we're just going to context. We're having a different conversation. You're talking about they're going to be in games. You like them to cover. I'm talking about them in real you life. You said they're a laughing stock. There in the play, they have not like. I do not see much to be uh, much to hang my hat on on the Patriots. Right, like, like you are going to bet the Jets next Monday because you think this team is bad. I don't know what the spread will. No, but when they have a 10 point spread or whatever the case may be, you're having two separate conversations. I am talking about the Patriots in actual wins and losses and if they will still be a threat to make the playoffs like they have every year for the last 20. 
okay? And what I'm saying, that's what this game was built as, right? Up against the Bills. Would the Bills yeah. finally take the baton? Would there finally sure. be a new big dog in the AFC yeah. East? And then this started by me also saying that I don't think we should even consider the Patriots in that light. Why? Because they're not even in second place in that division. And now what I hear you saying in response is that don't worry about it. They can still be in third place. They can still have two wins yeah. to this point. But because they mm -hmm. have been close or because if this happens or if this happens, yeah. they would be they would look better. That's enough yeah. for you to still maintain faith in this team a little bit moving forward. Yeah. And ultimately, one of the things we agreed on about this game, there was no way the spread was going to matter. Either the Patriots would win or Buffalo would house them. Right? That's what we thought was going to happen here. And somehow it was a tight competitive football game. The it Patriots not getting the result is, is crushing to those playoff hopes. But because of how competitive they were, because of the pedigree, and because of what they've shown me in the non-COVID games, I have to keep them alive. I absolutely have to. All right, we will see how that plays out for us moving forward. Another game, though, another division to discuss is in the NFC North where, you know, Kev, I started talking about teams that in the division got separation, right? Philly, an example of that. Pittsburgh, an example of that. Buffalo, an example of that after their win yesterday, one that pissed away that opportunity was the five and one green bay packers who lost to the one and five minnesota vikings but this was woo dalvin cook coming on in right <laughs> dalvin cook runs for 163 and three touchdowns not to be outdone gets another touchdown in the past game remember they were on their bye he was banged up and he comes back and says don't forget about me i'm still the man aaron Rodgers had a chance they tried to come back a little bit it did not work the Packers fall the Vikings get their second win of the season led by Dalvin Cook Dalvin Cook was minus 115 to score a touchdown he scored a touchdown in yeah. every single game he's he played they four touchdowns <laughs> yeah I know but like they play the Lions next next week I am assuming that is the biggest one week move you see in an anytime touchdown score all season long it's probably like minus 300 uh and it's probably what it should be this is a damning loss for the Packers they held a 7-0 lead and a 14-7 lead in this game and let Minnesota with a very, very obviously inept Kirk Cousins. I mean, what 11-14, yards, fine, but like they were just running the football. This team has no ability to stop the run right now for whatever reason, which was actually a strength for them last year. And that is what? not good. Because if you look through some of these teams in the NFC, right, like they're going to play the Niners on Thursday. It's the only thing the Niners can seemingly do. Right? Mm -hmm. You look at a team like even if you think about the Philadelphia Eagles, right, and all the mistakes Wentz makes, but Miles Sanders has been chewing up on the ground. Like, and that's another team that's going to be on their schedule that I know for a fact. This is a game that if I'm the Packers, I got to take a long, hard look in the mirror. How did I let Minnesota come into this game and rip off 21 unanswered? I get it. Divisional game, Vikings off mm -hmm. of a bye. You were always going to get their best punch. But I'm almost like, does Green Bay fall asleep at the wheel? Or are they really like yes. buying their own stock? Yes, this and that's much? what I told you two weeks ago. And that's what I was going to say back, Kev. Remember after they lost to Tampa Bay? Last week, the week before that, they had Houston. Okay, yeah. And I was proven wrong. They beat the Houston Texans. But if you remember that week, I was telling you all week that I was worried about a lull for the Green Bay Packers. I even sure. called that game against Houston like a trap game, right? I was saying that hmm, in the middle of the season, I could see this being the place where Green Bay 
just like you said, falls mm -hmm. asleep a little bit, right? And I was wrong when it came against Houston because they got that job done. But you just said it. Do they fall yeah. asleep at the wheel? Maybe yes. And that's part of what I was talking about right after mm -hmm. that loss to Tampa a couple of yeah. weeks ago and this portion of the schedule. I was saying I think this portion of the schedule could be a lull. They got through Houston, then in the division matchup, but they were supposed to win, right? I believe they were six-point favorites. They're at home against the lowly Vikings, they get upset, and you're right. They looked like they were sleepwalking. That is something I was mm -hmm. concerned about with Green Bay. And I'll just say this, though. Their two losses, they had a 10-0 lead over Tampa Bay and a 14-7 lead over Minnesota. So, like, it, it's not even like they're falling asleep before the game. It's as if they go into the game, they go up, and they're like, sweet, we're the Packers, and we What do you mean you didn't give up? What do you mean? Like, it's this And it's the exact opposite you would expect from a veteran quarterback. And I'm not telling you the whole sure. loss falls on Rodgers, but like they didn't score until the last like three minutes of the half of the of the uh, of the fourth quarter mm -hmm. in the second half. Like I don't know what was going on with this team, man. Yeah, absolutely. And remember, another huge day out of Devontae Adams scoring three touchdowns, not the yeah. yardage that he's gotten in the past. But I will say this. Remember, this has now been a few games also in this lull we're talking about where they have been without the services of elite running back Aaron Jones as well, oh, right? This is a guy who was racking up production. Is that other part? So maybe they get back on the good foot when he returns. When we come back. We look at, uh, you know, the trade deadline, which is a mere 24, 36 hours away. What has happened and what we think may happen when we come back on the early line. Hello, I'm Dr. David Chow, a.k.a. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here to the early line. And, and you know, Kev... Uh, we're going to be talking about handicapping stuff, right, and 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 futures and who's going to win these divisions, who's going to perform well for fantasy as well. But we got to remind people, tomorrow is the NFL trade deadline, right? So that may change a lot of the fortunes for some of these teams. There's been a lot of rumors, like, for example, Green Bay, you know, coming off their loss, or maybe even before that, they were looking to add some speed at the wide receiver position. The Houston Texans seem to be a team that they're talking to with Will Fuller and former Packer Randall Cobb on that team right now but we also have had a trade yesterday what happened uh, the Jets have traded away their linebacker Avery Williamson who was a big time signing a couple years ago he got banged up remember in a preseason game he tore his ACL when the starters were just out there for one last drive he gets traded to the Pittsburgh Steelers remember the Steelers lost Devin Bush a few weeks ago and Williamson is there to try to reclaim that they get back Kev, a 2022 fifth round pick basically nothing that's one deal that's gone down we've seen already Yannick Ngakwe Everson Griffin and others what are you mm -hmm. looking for in this trade deadline coming up tomorrow I will say I actually think the 2022 pick is probably better because why would you want any of their picks from this year like the way they're trending like they very well could, right? You know, sure. pick it's a very, very late. I mean, nah. <laughs> no, I hear you, but I'm saying I ultimately I'll give Joe Douglas a pass on that. Uh, and I'll tell you sure. one thing I'm interested in. It's something that, you know, we've been talking about Will Fuller and the Green Bay Packers, uh, where yeah. there's smoke, there's fire. But 
listen, between COVID protocols and them playing on Thursday, they obviously would not have him for their upcoming game against the Niners. And that's tough because it's not as like they can play that game and then make a decision. They got to make the decision before then. Um, It'll be really interesting to see who goes for it. One extra playoff spot. How many more teams feel like they have legs? How many teams feel like they're the New England Patriots and have absolutely no chance? The other piece, you talk about COVID. The other piece really that is, I guess, kind of COVID-related is what will the NFL salary cap be next year? That is an unknown given the resume. So if you're going to try and trade for someone that's any more than a rental, you have to factor that in because we don't know if we're going to be able to retain these guys with the finances around all of these leagues, right? Seattle maybe on defense, could a pass rusher or a corner. The Pats were even talking about allowing Stephon Gilmore to be available. We'll keep our eye on all of that over the next couple of days. Hour number two of the early line is up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 